Tappers, what's up? Happy Friday. It is the Friday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope you're doing well. We got a great show today. It's going to be a shorter, abbreviated show. Eh, maybe not an abbreviated show. You never know with this. I always say this, and then it doesn't happen. We're going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks big game three victory. Deep dive that. Talk about game four. Talk about just where the Bucks are right now and the heater that they are on because it is incredible. It is awesome to watch. It, it has been an exhilarating week for Bucks fans, and it's just it's only going to get better. So we'll talk about all that. We will also chat about Willie Adamas and if this is the latest David Stern's gem. And then lastly, we will chat about how cool it is to be Miles Teller. Because uh, I, I I could make a case that Miles Teller might be the coolest guy on, on the face of this planet. Um, and we'll talk about that. Also, maybe mention like Aaron Rodgers being a guitar guy uh, at a party. Um, I think that's worth noting in the Miles Teller conversation. So we will uh, we'll get to all of that. A fun little Friday show, Memorial Day weekend. I know a lot of you headed out, so hopefully this uh, podcast will be... Gives you a little 30 minutes of, uh, of joy. And definitely with the Milwaukee Bucks talk because it has it was a great day again for the Milwaukee Bucks. If you had heard me on Tabbing the Keg yesterday, um, previewing game three, I'd said to Mitch, I said, look, I think there is a real scenario where you can come out and keep punching them in the face. Just keep giving them just haymakers, left, right. Just bring the fucking noise yet again to this Miami Heat defense, and they might quit. And I don't really think Miami quit in the first half, but Milwaukee just was relentless. P.J. Tucker said they were dogs uh, after the game and said, we're dogs, we always talk about that. I I should have probably introed this show with like the DMX dog barks, right? You know, something like that. Like that's what we should have opened the show with. I've, I hope you guys enjoyed that bark. Thankfully, my dog didn't hear it because if she would have heard it, been a whole fucking thing. But anyways, the Milwaukee Bucks have been relentless, and I think where this actually nets out. And if you're like, what is the biggest takeaway here now from Game Three? Another blowout. I, it, the takeaway really is that the Milwaukee Bucks are peaking at the right time. The Milwaukee Bucks said this all year the entire year we dealt with a lot of bullshit right the Milwaukee Bucks had a five-game losing streak they had multiple instances where they just didn't look engaged they didn't look ready to play um that Memphis game um on a Saturday night is one that I I can point to right where Milwaukee just wasn't engaged and and that happened unfortunately I think too often this season but the, the common thing after those games when the Bucks would lose from Giannis or Mike Budenholzer or one of the other players on the team would be we're all just sort of getting ready for the playoffs. This is all a prelude to the playoffs that basically they, without saying it, we're not taking the regular season as seriously as we were in years past. And we're just focused on making sure we're hitting our peak when playoff time rolls around. Well, guess what has happened? The Milwaukee Bucks have hit their peak in playoff time. And Milwaukee looks like the best team in basketball. Now, it's early. It's the first week of the playoffs. We have a long fucking way to go. I mean, I was thinking about that on my drive home yesterday, that game one of the NBA Finals doesn't start till July 8th. Like, we are a full month 
and change away from the NBA Finals. We have two more series to go. Obviously, people are starting to get excited about Nets Bucks. Now, Nets haven't even won Game 3 yet, but there is a real fever pitch for that series, and that will be a primetime series that will be featured heavily in the major spots. I'm sure it'll be a Saturday night game for the Bucks or a Friday night game. I'm sure it will be a 2.30 ABC game. Like It will be a massive series in terms of ratings, in terms of attention. It All eyes will be focused on that series. Um, there will be a real just passion, I guess, is the best way to put it, or attention. Everyone will be paying attention to that series, especially now with how good the Bucks have looked. And so for the Bucks to be peaking at this right time, it has to worry the rest of the Eastern Conference. It has to worry the teams in the West. It ha- the, the fact that the Bucks are finally figuring it out in the playoffs is a terrifying thought for everybody else. That was the only piece missing to their puzzle, right? The Milwaukee Bucks had been so good in the regular season in 2018 or 2018, 2019, and then 2020, 2019, 2020. And and then it just fell apart when playoff time rolled around. Now, I still contend that the bubble had a lot to do with the Bucks' failure. And I, I always will wonder, what does that team look like if there's no bubble, if there's no pandemic? I, I mean, there's a lot of things we can wonder about if there's no pandemic, right? But the fact of the matter is, is like we that's what happened. And we had takes off of that. But Giannis signed with Milwaukee. He came back. He committed to the team. And that was all that was needed. And the Bucks have are thriving right now. And it's a combination of a lot of things. I mean, Drew Holiday had has over double-digit assists in all three games thus far. Drew Holiday continues to find the open man and continues to set them up perfectly. Um, he also has, he had a, a 15 points, I think, tonight, so his second straight game with a double-double. And Holiday, I, mean, I think all, maybe he's had all three with a double-double. I think he was in double figures on in game one. Holiday's been incredible. And you just see the upgrade of Holiday from Eric Bledsoe. And Eric Bledsoe in the regular season was good. Not great, but he was good. He had some moments. I mean, you could go back to old-ass podcasts where Mitch and I are talking about if Eric Bledsoe is really the second banana over Chris Middleton. Like, that was a legit conversation that Mitch and I had multiple times in the regular season. But when the playoffs happened, Bledsoe became like a crumbly cookie. Like, he just fell apart. Like, he just absolutely disintegrated. And I don't really understand why. Like, I don't know why mentally for him the playoffs just did not work. Now, there are some players who are just bad in the playoffs. Like, Evan Fournier, Bill Simmons did this on a podcast last week where it's like Evan Fournier is one of the worst playoff performers of the last 30 years. Why that happens, I don't know. Is it because he's French? Not sure. But anyways, um, the fact of the matter is, is like Bledsoe, Holiday over Bledsoe has just been such a significant upgrade for the Bucks, not only during the season, but also in the playoffs. And that should terrify the rest of the NBA. It should terrify the East. It should terrify the Lakers or whoever's coming out of the West. Like that should worry everyone because Holiday can put the clamps on really anyone who plays at the one through four. 
He can take Jimmy Butler for a few stints. He can go after a Goran Dragic. He can, you know, shut down a Tyler Harrow if he's hot. Like, he is not afraid to guard anyone on the ball. And P.J. Tucker said after the game, he's like, he's the quietest dog around. Like, he he's the most underrated player in the NBA. And I don't think that's far off. And... I made the case, gosh, a couple of months ago about how the Bucks' big three is a real big three and should be respected as a big three. And you can honestly make a case that the Bucks have the second best big three in all of basketball. Like, think about this for a second. So you have Embiid, Tobias Harris, and Ben Simmons. Well, Ben Simmons can't shoot. He can defend as well as Holiday, and he's you know probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year or should win Defensive Player of the Year. But he can't shoot, and he doesn't really come up big in the clutch and doesn't really want the ball down the stretch. Tobias Harris, I think, is very underrated in his own right, has just a great skill set of inside out, and he's finally kind of getting a little bit of a shine. But I don't know. I'd take the Bucks' big three over that any day of the week. Um, you have the Lakers, who have Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and I guess Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Kuzma. Who's that third guy for the Lakers? I don't know. KCP, Alex Caruso. I think that's. I think the the sum of LeBron and Davis outweighs needing that third guy. But you look at that and you're like, are are they really? Is that really a good, you know, three squad? You have Gobert, Mitchell, probably Jordan Clarkson. And you could say Mike Conley, too, if you want. But Clarkson, I mean, it's one six-man of the year. has been a vital part to what the Jazz are doing this season. Again, Gobert can't do anything outside the paint. Like, he's great defensively, similar to Simmons. But he, in a lot of ways, even though he's a lot taller than Ben Simmons, he, he basically is Ben Simmons, just taller. Like, he's ineffective offensively. He's not really a guy you go to for a clutch basket. So there's that. And then to kind of round it out, I mean... The Suns, who, who's their third guy? You know, it's Booker, it's Chris Paul, and maybe DeAndre Ayton, maybe a Cam Johnson or Mikel Bridges. Like, they don't really have that third guy. I, I, I'd argue if healthy, when you have Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr., the way he's kind of developed, that to me is maybe right there with, like, what the Bucks have. But again, Murray doesn't really play defense. None of those guys play defense, so that's a... That's where it comes down to the Bucks have maybe the best big three from a two-way perspective. So you could say, oh, that's obscure, Charlie. But if you really think about it, Giannis, Holiday, and Middleton all are just A1 defenders, and they can score offensively. Like, watching Middleton fucking cook Duncan Robinson yesterday, and the Bucks. Who and and I, well, let's get to that. I'll I'll talk about Middleton real quick. But the fact that Middleton put the Heat to sleep, like the Heat were kind of creeping back in the third quarter, not really anything to give you heart palpitations. But then Middleton was just hitting jumper after jumper, and part of the reason for that is they were hunting Duncan Robinson. And this idea of hunting a bad defender is something the Bucks A, have not ever... I don't know if we've ever seen that. I think that's a little bit of a playoff wrinkle from Bud and something that the Bucks that, that's been done to the Bucks before when, you know, bad defenders out on the court. 
And the Bucks were making sure that if a team, if the Heat brought out one of their bad defenders, that they were hunting his ass. They did it with Duncan Robinson and Chris Middleton. And then in the fourth quarter, when Neman Bielitsa, which is it Bielitsa or Bielitsa? Because the way Jim Paschke, I know he's retiring on on Saturday and whatever. People are going to make a big fucking deal about it if, if the Bucks sweep. Um, but not my thing. I'm not going to. Sully his name um, as he's retiring. I think that would be bullshit. So I won't say anything. Kudos to a long career. But Bielitsa was kind of feeling it in the fourth quarter. Like he kind of was making shots and he was kind of giving the Heat a little bit of something. And we talked about this on Tapping the Keg yesterday about how Norman Powell, when the Bucks blew out the uh, the Raptors in this 2016, this was pre this was pre-Bud. Uh, they blew out the Raptors. They took a 2-1 lead. They were the seventh seed, I believe, at that time. But Norman Powell had a huge game. And when Norman Powell had a huge game, it led to Norman Powell being in the starting lineup the rest of the way. And so when that happened, you know, that kind of unlocked something for Toronto. Now, Bielitsa, you could argue, okay, that might unlock something. We can play Bielitsa a little bit more. and Maybe that's the secret sauce. Maybe Bielitsa is our Jay Crowder. But no, because he can't fucking defend. All he can do is shoot. He doesn't want to go in the paint. He doesn't want to rebound. And they were hunting Bielitsa with Giannis. So if you want to bring Bielitsa out there, he is going to get fucking washed by Giannis Antetokounmpo. And the part of the problem right now with the Heat is they do not have enough bigs to contain with the Bucks. They just have Bam Adebayo. That's it. And that's why the Bucks have been so relentless on the boards. Like Giannis had 17 rebounds tonight. I think he had 18. Did he have 18 in game one? Like he's been so good on the rebounding side of things. It's been incredible. And that's been one of the, the keys for the Milwaukee. Now in game four, it's probably like unlikely they're going to have Dante DiVincenzo back. Dante DiVincenzo left with a left foot contusion, they're calling it. I would imagine it's a little bit worse than that. Just because he left the game nine minutes. He only played nine minutes. He didn't return. He was out immediately after they had taken him back to the locker room. That's usually not a good sign. And the Bucks losing Dante would be a loss. I do think in a, it would just it would be a loss. I don't want to speak poorly, but Dante has had some questionable down down the stretch minutes. But he's a dog too, so losing that guy stinks. Like that, just losing one more guy means you got to have more minutes from a guy like Pat Conton, a guy like Bryn Forbes. Which Bryn Forbes awesome offensively, but teams hunt Bryn Forbes defensively because he can't really play out there. And but it also probably means more PJ Tucker minutes. I think what. The, the thing you'd do is you'd move Middleton to the two, you'd put Tucker at the three, Giannis at the four, Lopez at the five, or a situation where Giannis moves to the five, and then, but if you move Giannis to the five, Tucker to the four, Middleton to the three, who's your two guard in that situation? I guess Pat Conton or Bryn Forbes. Makes you a little nervy, but as long as that's the only injury, I think, I think they're okay. You just got to make sure you avoid anything else, but all in all, a good win for the Bucks in terms of Game Four. In these sweep situations, I I think I noted this, but Miami has a lot of pride. Miami's not going to let themselves get swept. I expect Miami to come out with fire. I think what Miami knows they have to do, and it, it's not to sound like a broken record, but if the Bucks come out with haymakers, Miami might quit. Now it's a twelve thirty start in Miami. 
you know, Eric Nahum uh, must have seen a lot of the tweets that Mitch and I were having or the text messages that I was having. Because I had texted two group chats and was like, PJ is going out to 11 or we got to keep PJ away from 11. I don't know if you know this about PJ Tucker, but he is a fucking club guy. Like he's been out in the Milwaukee streets. Like if you're out in the Milwaukee clubs, like you've you've probably seen PJ out. I don't mean to blow up his spot, but I'm just saying like PJ is out and about. So I sh- I'm sure they went to 11 last night. Like convinced they went to 11. like I saw what PJ Tucker was wearing after the game. Like dude, dude looked ready for the fucking club. Like I, I don't blame him. Whatever, go out, have a good time. But I do worry about that early Miami start. Whether that Miami flu is gonna be a thing, and the. I expect it to be a pretty hard-fought game. I expect it to go down to the wire similarly to game one just because of the start time, because the Heat have a ton of pride. I really don't see another blowout. I would be stunned if we had another blowout. I, I still like the Bucks to win. I still think they can sweep. But I, I do I do wonder if it's going to just come down to the wire and be a little different than the last two games. We'll see. They give them haymakers early. Maybe the Heat just quit and they they start thinking about where they're going on vacation and do the one, two, three Cancun instead of actually, you know, being engaged and trying to flip a series and try to make it happen. Because I I do think that if the Bucks bring it back to Milwaukee, it's it's going to be no contest. I think Milwaukee will will give Miami the business. But yeah, it's it's gonna be a tough one. I'll be curious. I, I'm sure there's a line out already. I, I'm curious to see what the line will be. Because last night it was one and a half. There were a lot of people on the Miami Heat last night. The Miami Heat, I think, had a bulk share of the money line. And just, I, I, maybe not. I mean, Murph sent me something that didn't say that. But if you look at, like, Twitter and everybody else, a lot of there were a lot of people picking the Heat in the Suns last night. Let me tell you, that did not work out for them. They had a rough night rough night in the, uh, in the gambling sphere when that happened. But let me see a little snow tap WI. Uh, gambling here so tomorrow let's see they had the line bucks are four and a half point favorites tomorrow tomorrow so they're they're about a four or five point road dog here so we'll see if that line moves at all very interesting uh spread there for your milwaukee bucks so we'll see what happens um i i'm very excited for game four wish it was a little nicer out tomorrow but may have to uh hit up a bar for that that game four Let's move on to the Milwaukee Brewers. As for the Milwaukee Brewers, they had a they had a good week. Um, you know, two and two against the San Diego Padres is, is nothing to shake your dick at, right? They San Diego came in, they had won nine straight games. Now, I had said to you guys earlier this week that I thought San Diego was a little fraudulent because they were just beating up on bad teams, but nine wins is nine wins, hottest team in baseball, and the Brewers kind of shut them down. And they were able to withstand San Diego basically coming back at every coming back at every moment um, yesterday where the Brewers would get up and then Eric Hosmer hit a home run. And Eric Hosmer is one of the more annoying players in baseball. Not really because he's good at baseball, it's because or like he does things like where he's a troll, like Trevor Bauer or something like that. It's just he dates a smoke or is married, engaged to a smoking hot woman, and he can hit a baseball really far. He's not—he's kind of attractive, but not really. So kind of like that Adam Duritz. Like I was listening to him with Bill Simmons, and Adam Duritz like people hated him because he was just dating hot models and had like a 
like, I don't know, dreads and shit like that. Like, he dated Jennifer Aniston. It looked weird. And I think Simmons is like, yeah, in the mid-90s, we were all like, fuck that guy. And that's kind of how I feel about Eric Hosmer. But anyways, Hosmer hits, hits a home run. And then, uh, you know, Brewers get back up with Willie Adonis, who I want to talk about more. And then they get runs back. And then the Brewers were able to walk it off in the 10th with Jackie Bradley Jr., Willie Adonis has four hits. Willie Adonis has been on an absolute tear with the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, Adonis, or it's Milwaukee Bucks, Milwaukee Brewers. Willie Adonis was brought over after in the trade for the two Brewer pitchers, um, basically to kind of relieve what was happening with the Brewers at the start, at the shortstop position. Adonis has moved himself up to the second spot in the order. He hit second yesterday. For Milwaukee, and what he's been doing lately has been—it's just been awesome. Like it's been awesome to watch since being acquired by the Milwaukee Brewers. He's had a hit in—he's had a hit in four of the six games he's played for the Milwaukee Brewers. He got on base though in that game that he didn't have a hit. He—he he did walk twice, so he's been on base in five of the six games like he's playing really well his numbers obviously super early but 350 with an obp of 458 and an ops of over a thousand to kind of start his brewer's career now did did adamas just need a fresh start did the pressure of knowing Wander Franco, who's the top prospect in all of baseball, who's eventually going to take his spot in in Tampa, did that put pr- too much pressure on him? Did he look at that and say, I have too much pressure? Is the fact that he's wearing Carlos Gomez's number, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but he is from the same place in the Dominican Republic as Carlos Gomez. They're really good friends. And he wore, he's wearing Gomez's number. And I got to say, like, this might sound dumb, but there's something magical about that 27. There's something just, uh, it brings me joy. I was a huge Carlos Gomez fan. Like, Carlos Gomez is probably the one guy I don't have his jersey. And I'm not a jersey guy anymore because I'm 32. But if, like, my guy Retro Daddy found a Carlos Gomez jersey and it was my size, I would be into it. Like, I... I just love Gomi. Um, he was one of my favorite brewers of all time. Definitely in the Mount Rushmore of favorite brewers, which might not be a bad bad podcast for Mitch and I to do um, when it's when we have some slow time. But Adamas just brings back those Carlos Gomez vibes, and it's hard. It's it's because of the number. It's because of the way he plays. He has this this energy about him. He's brought sort of an injection of life to the Brewers. They have now the Wall of the Tiger. I'm not going to pronounce it in Spanish, but the Brewers are doing basically the the second version of Beast Mode. It's very similar to Beast Mode, but it's a tiger. It's not Beast Mode, and I've been tempted to. You know, I'm, I always think about shirt ideas like a Brewer Tony, to, like Tony the Tiger and Brewer Collars. Who says no to that fucking T-shirt with the Spanish saying of the Wall of the Tiger? That to me is a great shirt. That's a shirt that would sell. Um, I don't know if the tig- the Brewers are actually playing the Detroit Tigers this week or on Monday and Tuesday. I don't know if the Tigers are going to feel offended that the Brewers are doing the Tiger Sally, but. I love it. Um, I love the fact that the Brewers are kind of making things like this happen. And I think I think it's really cool. And I think it shows the chemistry of this team. And it shows that, yeah, maybe right now it's not perfect. They're 500. But again, as we've mentioned, it's a long fucking season. We're 50 games in. 
we got a long way to go. It's not ending uh, this weekend, right? It's not ending in 30 games or 60 games, excuse me. So they got some time. And they have a great schedule. Um, you know, they if they can come out of Washington and Detroit, which are the last five games of May, you know, four and one, they finish the month 12 and 12 and 16. So eh, not great, right? But it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not it's not terrible. Just have a better June. And as we discussed, like June is really there for the Brewers to kind of get hot. And if they don't get hot, I think it's a little bit worrisome. But I think they can. And they just got to be a little bit better with runners in scoring position. The shifts have been annoying. I saw that with uh, Omar Nervaez yesterday. He easily should have had an RBI. And the guy was right there to catch the ball in right field. Just so annoying. Like, I hate that. Like, I'm starting to become kind of anti-shift. Because I don't know if that's why the Brewers are (laughs) losing games. And, And I know... I saw one of my guys, uh, Dan, got frustrated at the Brewers beat writers for kind of being like, well, they had they they couldn't bring anyone in. On, this was on Wednesday night. They couldn't bring anyone in, but all these balls were hard hit, and he was calling it the company line. And, I, like, yeah, the Brewers beat reporters, for those who aren't familiar, they are softer than cream cheese. Like, they, they, they do not want to shake the apple tree at all. Um, but I, I do think yesterday, on Wednesday, there was some of that. And look, the Brewers should have had a run scored with Keston Hira. They should have tied the game back up with Keston Hira. Keston Hira, I have no idea what he was doing on third base. That jump was fucking awful. And then the fact that he doesn't slide and at least try to make like chicken shit, chicken salad out of chicken shit. Like just do something, man. But uh, that was really bad from Hira. And I'm sure he'll watch the tape. I'm sure they'll work with him and say, you got to get off that fucking base. Like, you, he, I think what happened, honestly, is he assumed that Cronenworth was just going to take the easy out. But Cronenworth, being a former pitcher, went home. But not to talk completely about negative vibes because it was a good win for the Brewers and it was a good week. And the Brewers are now 8-3 and three against the Dodgers and Padres. And, yeah, it's the first two weeks, two, year, two months of the season – but I think that says the potential of this baseball team and has the potential to really be something special if they get their shit together. That's a big if. It doesn't always happen that way. Sports are sometimes the most frustrating thing because you see it. You see how you can be successful. You see how you can be a juggernaut and it just doesn't happen. Look, ask any Bucks fans who may not be Brewer fans, right? They, they had two years of that shit where they saw it in the regular season. They're like, why can't this translate to the postseason? I think we all see it with this Brewers roster. They just got to make it happen. And hopefully they can play tonight. We're uh, taping Friday and it does not look good in the nation's capital. A lot of rain. Um, fingers crossed they will be able to play. I don't know if they... So that's an interesting one though too because not to rabbit hole this. But so they play on Fox Saturday night. They were part of the night night games on Saturday, which is great for us Bucks and Brewers fans, where we're able to watch both. And ideally, I think you'd say, "All right, let's do a doubleheader." But like, will Fox be okay with like a seven inning game on their national? I probably. I don't know. I mean, I feel like because it's the Fox, you'd have to do like a day night doubleheader. And yeah, I don't know. Does that screw up from a national perspective? I don't think the Brewers want to do a doubleheader on Sunday, 
because they have uh, you know a day game with the Tigers because of Memorial Day. Oh, also really quickly at the Brewers, I know we're kind of running long. I love the fact they're doing a reopening day on Friday the 25th against the Rockies. They are, for those who didn't see that on Twitter or not on Twitter, the Brewers, when they're opening back up to 100%, they are doing a full opening day on that day. They're moving up the start time, which it's a Friday afternoon, so it's going to be a 310 start instead of a 710 start. And they will be... They, they will be doing a bunch of different t-shirt giveaways and I think they said Paul Molitor and Cecil Cooper are going to be there and they're just going to blow it out like it would be opening day. And for those who might not be going or might not have that opportunity, I think it's just an excuse for all of us to get buckled. Like it's just an excuse to go out early, take the, take the half day and just go out and enjoy like the reopening day or go out after the, uh, go after the, the, the day is over like you know end work about 4 30 and just kind of kind of make your make your way to to your local establishment but i love the idea of it by the brewers that's really good all right we've already went long i i said to you guys i was like hey you never know with these podcasts you never know how i'm feeling i'm feeling good i, I don't know if you could tell but i'm feeling good it's i got a half day with the day job i i do have to go into the office for the first time i think since october which is weird but I am entering the office life, uh, which is interesting. But any, but that's here nor there. Uh, Miles Teller, definitely not going to the office. Miles Teller, just hanging out in Hawaii. And the last part of this podcast is wondering how cool it is to be Miles Teller. So my friend Mike, um, Mike Voto, shout out, um, who has who took second place in Snow Dab Madness and doesn't want my money, which is okay. If Mike, if you don't want my money, that's fine. But I'm willing to give it to you. Just hit me up on Twitter when, you, wh- however you want me to pay you. But he he had a thing when we were when we were at we worked together at Office Max way back in the day ten years ago over ten years ago actually now and Mike said to me like you know there's some guys where you just look at them and you say God you're cool like that's how I am with with Miles Teller like Miles Teller is so fucking cool like the guy does no wrong he's a rocket a great looking dude has a smoke show of a wife. Who isn't like a, a celebrity? She's just a normal person, and obviously she's hot. Like he seems like such a chill guy, such a nice guy. Is he a bro? Yeah, I guess. But it just seems like he's just the nicest dude. And like if he was a jerk, yeah, I could see it because he's kind of a bro and whatever. But he seems like an actor that I could just have like ten beers with at the Nomad, and it wouldn't be a big deal. Like we would just crush beers on Brady Street, and Miles Teller would be into it. And I love. He's a big sports fan. He's a big Philadelphia Eagles fan. I I just started watching The Mayor of Easttown. I'm a little behind. Please don't spoil it for me. I think I have to mute everything about that show for Saturday, Sunday because I believe it's the season finale on Sunday. Um, like he should be on that show. Like how is he not on that show? Like he is very Philly. So I, I respect that. He now had a, a tweet yesterday where he said, cheers to signing with the Green Bay Packers, which I'm like, okay, is Aaron Rodgers re-signing? And if Aaron Rodgers re-signs on Friday of Memorial Day, A, it's funny because the big J's will all have to work, which I'll laugh about. But guess who also would have to work? Your boy. Because that means, you know what? Probably have to do a podcast. Probably have to do a podcast on on Saturday um, before the Bucks game or we do it after the Bucks game. That means I have to fucking stay sober at least a little bit. Um, maybe not entirely. But anyways, Miles is a cool dude, man. Like, 
my, just Miles Teller. I don't know. I'm probably not as real name. But Miles Teller, that hey, that's a great name. That's a hell of a name. So, and, and he, has he done anything really noteworthy as an actor? No, not really. Like, you, I, his, that uh, Philadelphia boxing movie, I, I actually really liked. I watched that in a Bleed for This, I think it was called. I watched that in a, a on an airplane. I think I was flying home from something, and I watched that. I actually really liked it. It was a good, it was a good airplane movie. He, oh, he was in Whiplash. I actually haven't seen Whiplash. Um, which I know is a pretty good one. I should probably I should probably see Whiplash. That that would be there. He's in the new Top Gun. He has a bunch of movies coming out. Like he's in the new Top Gun. He's in a movie called Flag Day, which I would imagine is a like a war movie. A father. Oh no. A father lives his double life as a counterfeiter, bank robber, and a con man to provide for his daughter. Josh Brolin, uh, Eddie Marzen's in that. And Miles Teller, that's he's in a more of a supporting role, um, so that's good. He's you know oh he was in War Dogs. I know a lot of people like that. That's on Netflix. I should probably see that. I haven't seen that. So maybe my Miles Teller he hasn't done anything. I just haven't seen a lot of good Miles Teller movies. Um, he's spectacular now. I did see which I liked. Um, spectacular now, and that's where the Shailene Woodley relationship started. And he was in Divergent, which I believe also is a Shailene Woodley movie. So that's where you get the Miles Teller Shailene Woodley uh, relationship there, and that's kind of where the Aaron Rodgers bromance started from. So Miles Teller, cool dude, all about it. Aaron Rodgers being a guitar guy at a party, fucking hate that. Like. Come on, man. Like, no one likes a guitar guy at a party. Mitch, our good friend, he likes to jam on the guitar at, at parties. Um, he would be famous for doing that, like, in college, when we would be just drunker than shit the night before, all hungover. And then you hear Mitchie strumming the guitar at fucking 30, 8 o'clock in the morning, and you're like, God damn it. Just stop. Like... I, I think guitar people sometimes are like, they think that like playing the guitar is like a free entry to pussy. Like that's what guitar guys think. Now I know Aaron Rodgers, he's engaged. He doesn't need to worry about that. But single guys are like, oh, hey, I play guitar. Like that's sweet, right? I guess it's cool, whatever. But it it is for a long time, it was like the thing. I don't know if it is anymore. I'm, I'm way out of the game. I don't know. I if there are someone who's in college who listens to the podcast, which if you do, that's great. I'm glad we're hitting Gen Z. Please let me know. Like, does the guitar move still fucking play? Like, does that still work with women? If it does, great. If it doesn't, that makes me happy. All right, that does it. It's a long. That was a long Friday show. I was like, ah, 30 minutes maybe, 35. Here's at least the schedule a little bit for next week. And then the rest of it will be dependent on what happens with the Bucks. We will do a podcast either Sunday or Monday. I would lean towards Monday. I'm playing golf with my guy Maj on Sunday. So I probably won't get a podcast in on Sunday. So I would imagine we're going to probably do a Monday show talking about Game 4. Maybe getting ready for Game 5 or getting ready for the next series, which will probably be the Brooklyn Nets. So that will be the the next podcast and then we'll just sort of see from there um and we'll go on into next week I'm trying to be better about telling you guys like hey i'm going to take a day off because i really do think that i'm better when i'm i get a, a little reprieve because i'm not talking about the same fucking thing over and over again 
Like, I, could I have done a show on, I think I took off Wednesday this week. Could I took a show that, could I, could I have done a show that day? Yeah. We haven't really talked about, like, the Julio Jones-Packer thing, which I didn't think would happen. Um, but that would have been a topic. But it would, again, been a lot of circular stuff. So I think it's better for us to, to have a day of space. But I need to let you guys know that. Like, I need to know, like, hey, guys, we're not doing this podcast on Thursday because there's no f- local sports happening. So we'll keep you better informed on that. I apologize. All right. Enjoy your Memorial Day. I know the weather is not going to be great. Enjoy it as much as you can. It's still an excuse to get drunk an extra day because Sunday is a free day. Use that up. Enjoy it. If you're out uh, for the Bucks Heat game, I'll probably be out too. Like, let's have a beer. Let's chat. I, I know I say that on a lot of podcasts that no one takes me up. That's okay. It's all right. I, I My goal in life, and I'll, I'll leave you guys with this. My goal is to one day go into a bar and have to buy six or seven drinks because people recognize me from, or people know my voice from the podcast. That would be my ultimate goal. So I hope we get there, you know, before this playoffs is over for the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, guys, take care of yourself. Have a great Friday. See you. Bye.